0: Each of us has a story, a collection of stories, really, all of which fuse together to become our story. And I want to tell you mine. My father had gone back to school, still working full-time. My mom was a registered nurse and working full-time. They were not looking for anything more to be added to their plate. And then all of a sudden, me... It was an unplanned moment, and to say that my parents were shocked was an understatement. My mom, in her panic, fearing, unprepared, and lamenting that this was unplanned, confided with a nurse that she worked with who gave her the solution. We live in a disposable culture. We used to handwrite our letters. Remember those days? The the imperfections were a part part of the process, even beautiful in the making of poetry. Nowadays, we don't even repair things. (laughs) We used to repair. It's cheaper to replace something than it is to repair it. So if we don't like something, we exchange it out with the old, in with the new. And if we don't want something, we we toss it. We live in a disposable culture. And maybe that's hard to hide our flaws. Because I think deep down inside, all of us fear that maybe we'll be the next one to be disposed. That we'll be the one to be discarded. But but I was not discarded. My parents do not believe in accidents. My parents don't even ascribe to to coincidence. My parents believe in providence. My life fearfully and wonderfully made. Everyone's story starts differently. And my story starts with the suggestion that I was disposable. And maybe you, in your story, you get that too. You feared that you're disposable, you feared that you were some kind of mistake. But there is another story The, the story of a God. Who created all things and created you and me, and formed us into His image, and then stepped back and declared that it was good. The story of a hand crafter who knew you and says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, even as early as in your mother's womb. The story of a God who looked. You're not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. It's the story of a God who never makes mistakes. Life is unplanned. And where every face is formed by his image, no matter the color of its skin. story, my story is that I was rescued even before I was born. Pregnancy test was not my first brush with a disposable culture. when I was in school, I was bullied. The, the worst of it was in junior high I, I was in while everyone else was growing up and filling out and coming into their own, I was just me, so skinny. And I wore these huge glasses, which really didn't help. And at some point in junior high, for whatever reason, I thought sport bangs as an actual part of my hairstyle. And please don't come and find me after and ask me why. Because it was the 80s, and no one can explain the 80s. I hated being me. I hated. And every school, I wondered, I wondered what would happen and if I would be embraced. You see, see, my school in that particular season, all of the lockers were in this, Configuration in this, in this quad. And there at the center of the quad sat this trash can. And every day for almost as long as I can remember in that season of my life in junior high, I ended up inside that trash can. Some days with my underwear pulled up, placed in feet first, those were the good days because sometimes I ended up head first. There's something about finding yourself in a trash can over and over again in front of your peers that reinforces this disposal that we live in, that you aren't wanted. And what I found at the bottom of that trash can was one of the most basic human fears. Rejection. All of us, to some degree or another, in some way, shape, form, or another, fear rejection. We want to be wanted. Maybe the rejection of your peers. Or maybe for you, and you, you fear the rejection of your spouse being discarded, traded for a different model. Do you fear the rejection from your company, traded off in some downturn in the economy? Maybe for you, you fear the rejection of your kids, that they will grow up and move on and never decisions that you're making today will somehow displease them and lead them to leave you and not look back tomorrow. Maybe you fear being old and forgotten. Maybe you fear being alone and unwanted. Maybe because of the color of your skin, you fear that you'll Never be welcomed. We don't like to admit it. We all try to deny it, but we are all driven by it. And I still to this day have no idea I was always the kid that ended up at the bottom of this trash can until one day someone spoke up. I don't remember the particulars of the moment all that well because I just happened to be caught up in the same old guys, but just as I was about to be disposed at just the right time, I was rescued. My weakness to offer anyone in return with all of my awkwardness, with all of the stuff that i was holding on and carrying me in that moment i was spoken for i was rescued they say that one man's trash is another man's treasure you ever heard that trash another's treasure and maybe in the midst of a disposable culture, we've forgotten that. But God hasn't. Paul would say this in chapter five, verse six, that while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Understand the word that Paul uses here for weak physical weakness. He's talking about spiritual. He's already gone on in the beginning of Romans, told us that we were all unworthy, that we had all fallen away, that we were all weak. Paul would go on then and say that all have sinned and fallen of God. Why? Because God created us and placed us to enjoy a perfect relationship with him. But instead of choosing God and listening to his voice, we listened to our own and forged our own direction. And we broke with God. And when we broke with God, the world broke. But God, at just the right time, This is nothing new that we can. The Old prophets have been saying it for thousands of years. In fact, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah kind of prefigures Paul in this. He'd say, "For for we all like sheep have gone astray; each of us has turned his own way, and the Lord has laid on the iniquity of us all." That at just the right time in salvation history, Christ died for the ungodly. And in one man's trash became God's treasure. such a simple and beautiful truth that at just the right time, Christ died for us. When Paul speaks of this in our weakness, the Greek word there means powerless. We weren't just weak, we were powerless, powerless to rescue ourselves, pull ourselves out and change what we had done. We were powerless. I was powerless in that moment. And I hate to admit it, but I've felt powerless thousands of times since. I felt powerless on the night of our 10-year anniversary when we should have been celebrating over a dinner and instead found ourselves in a sterile emergency room losing a pregnancy. And I could do nothing about it. And I couldn't even hold my wife's hand during the procedure. I felt powerless. I felt powerless in moments that I've cried out to God and He hasn't, and powerless in moments when I've been desperate to change, but my sin just keeps on calling. And in those moments, I feel so weak. But at just the right time, while we were weak, Christ died for the ungodly. Look, look at what Paul says about this moment in Romans chapter five with me. For while we were still weak at the right time, the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even die. But God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul reflects on this. He says, hey, we would scarcely die for a righteous person. And understand that in Paul's context, when he speaks of the righteous person, he's speaking of the religious hypocrite. Paul uses air quotes to emphasize righteous. They think they are it, they ain't it. Like the shady evangelist on TV that only ends up asking for money, Paul says, who would really throw themselves in front of a bus for them? A good man, a good woman, a good friend, you just might lay your life down. But God, God so loved us that while we were still sinners, hear how Paul says that while we were still in our sin, still reveling in in this moment of of disdain and turning from God, while we were still in the act, Christ died for us. Here's the thing, you may have laid your life down for a guy getting picked on, but Paul says, Jesus laid his life down even for the guys who were doing the picking. Is God's love. That at just the right moment in salvation history, Christ died for the ungodly. But Paul tells us an Easter, reminds us that God not only rescues us, but through his resurrection power, he offers us new life. God not only rescues, but he resurrects and he restores. See, this is the beautiful hope of Easter. I'd like to say that after being rescued from this moment and pulled out of the trash, that I moved forward with my life and I never looked back, that I had confidence again. But I'd be lying if I told you that. And you're not supposed to lie at Easter. The truth of the matter is that I carried this moment far longer than I care to admit. I spent all the years thereafter trying to prove my worth, trying to earn my rescue, trying to hide away all of the flaws all of the imperfections, scrutinizing myself, testing myself, beating everything out of me so that you wouldn't find anything unworthy in me, anything that would lead you to reject me, to not want me, to not love me. And over and over again, I return to this place trying to prove my worth to people, trying to carry it all all the pressure, all the perfections. Do you know what that does? It causes a thousand little cuts to your soul. Only to find in the end that I was suffering under the weight of my flaws that I fix. We are all suffering under the weight of our flaws that we can't fix. Not on our own. And that's why we need rescue. But the beautiful hope of Easter is that God not only rescues. Look at what Paul says again in Romans 5, now in verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more... Much more now that we're reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? I'm saying in this moment is that God didn't just come and didn't just offer his son to forgive you of your past. He offers you through the resurrection power a new life, a restored life, a life free baggage that you keep holding on to because you're convinced you need to prove something to be worthy. The beautiful hope of Easter is that God not only rescues, he restores. Understand that Paul in this moment isn't just speaking of heaven. You'll be saved. Then, as though God God offers to forgive you, he offers to pay off your debts now, but you got to stay in the ghetto. But don't worry, I'll come back for you. That's not the promise. Paul's language here in the Greek is active and ongoing. That because Christ died for you, you are saved now. And because of the resurrection power that pulled him from the grave, you have the restoration that he offers, hope of transformation for all of your tomorrows. That your story would no longer be a story of shame, but rather a trophy of his grace and a monument to that he is the God who rescues. Paul says in Romans chapter eight that the same power that raised Christ from the grave is at work now in you, in those who to transform you and to rewrite the story. Because the resurrection is proof that God not only has power to forgive, but that God has the power much more that you've been looking for. Much more. He has the power. He has the power, not just to rescue you from the future, but to restore you for the future. You are no longer defined by what was done to you. He is writing a new story. He has spoken to you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made and he's calling your name and he's telling you, you are mine. You don't have to perform anymore. Stop striving. Work is finished. Jesus paid it all. Not so that you would prove something to the world and everyone who's watching, but that so you would rest. He wants to give you rest. There's no shame anymore. You don't have to fear anymore. Jesus came and he paid it all so that you wouldn't doubt anymore. So that you would know that he gave his son at great cost because he wants you. And if Christ's work is finished, then the question is, what is our response to his work? If the work at the cross is finished, and he said, it is done, then stop your striving, and instead, Choose to embrace his work. Paul would go on in Romans 10 and say that everyone who the name of the Lord shall be saved. What does it mean to call on the name of the Lord in these moments when you feel like you're still trash? He says, if you would just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God rose him from the dead, that's what it means to call on the name of the Lord. Confess. And believe. And when we confess and we believe, we are not only forgiven, in resurrection power, we are restored to his work of transformation. The much more that you've been looking for, Jesus secured at the cross. And the only decision then you have to make is whether you believe. Not, because everyone. Who believes shall be saved. If you're here today and you're feeling lost and you don't know how this story ends and you don't know where this is leading and God is going to redeem this, would you embrace His work and would you stop striving in your own? If you're here today bearing the marks of the things that you and hiding in shame, or bearing the bruises of the things that were done to you, would you hear that his work is finished, and he longs not only to forgive, but to restore you, and use but would you choose to believe that, and embrace not only his forgiveness, but the new life that he is offering Because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, would you today, would you call? If you don't know what that looks like, the scriptures say when we enter a moment with God in prayer and we simply believe, we confess our sin, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness, to forgive us of our past and restore us into a new future. And if you have never done that, would you today choose to stop your own work and rest in his? Would you bow with me? Whether you're here in the room or at home, watching online, would you today call the Lord? And if you don't have the words to begin, would you just pray along with me? Father, I I confess I am in need of your rescue. I confess that I keep returning God to the wounds of the past. I feel trapped, God, by the things that I have done. And today I come before you and I'm hungry and I am desperate for change. Father, would you forgive me? Father, would you heal me? Father, would you restore me and teach me to walk in a new way? And would you, Father, take my story and write it? So I choose today to place my faith and my trust in you, confessing my need and laying down my life for your grace. I ask for your forgiveness, and I ask for your resurrection power to transform me, and I ask it in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Hey, I want you to know something. If you prayed that prayer just now here in the room or joining us in worship online, if you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, I want you to know that all is rejoicing now that all of the angels are singing before his throne because you have been saved. Do you believe that? Five people up front believe that. Do you believe that all of heaven is rejoicing over our brothers and sisters who this morning have placed their faith in Jesus Christ? Amen. Because he is risen and he is risen indeed prayed that prayer and placed your faith in Jesus, we want to come alongside of you and encourage you today and help you take your first steps of faith. We have a resource for you to help you in this new journey as God begins to do this restoring life. It's this simple book called Begin, and I promise we'll give you a clean copy. (laughs) We want to put this in your hands because if you just prayed that prayer all of heaven is rejoicing. We are with you, and we want you to know that you now belong to the family of God, and you belong here. And so if you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, would you text the word BELONG? Pull out your phone right now, here or at home. Pull out your phone. And would you text the word BELONG to this number, 55498. Because we want to come alongside of you today. We want to encourage you. This will be our point. Back out to you. And we want to get this resource in your hands so that you can know unequivocally that your sin is forgiven. You've been washed as white as snow. And we want to rejoice with you as your church family. So text that word belong to 55498. And let us now celebrate that Christ not only died, but through the power of God, he was raised and the resurrect. We too are raised to newness of life in him. Amen? If you want to talk to someone about a decision you've made or let us know how God is moving through this series, visit nebc.ch contact. Be sure to stay connected with us throughout the week on social media or by subscribing to our weekly podcast. You can also stay up to date with the latest information about what's going on here at Northeast by subscribing to the Northeast News, our periodic newsletter that comes right to your inbox to keep you in the know. Thanks for listening to today's message, and we hope that you join us as we continue to make disciples on mission for Jesus Christ.